Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up. Never shut up. Never Good morning, everybody. Today is Friday. Woohoo! You made it. It's January 5th. Double woohoo, because it's my birthday. And it's 2024. I'm your host, Rose Cress, and today we pulled my favorite song, because it's fan favorites, Friday, Apollo's Rock. All right, well, it's the end of the week. It's time for our new game, Fan Favorites. Will we do Fuck Around Friday? Mm, I think we could do that. That sounds like fun. Maybe we do it like a throwback Thursday. I don't know. Well, we'll do something fun with it because that's a fun, that's a fun game. I would totally love to do that. So we're talking about Apollo's Rock uh, for Fan Favorite Fridays, and I've got a number of questions, and they're going to be the same questions for everybody. So this is your first opportunity to hear those questions, and then if you're like me with podcasts where they do like a regular question, I love that. And I love thinking about how I would answer those questions. So if you want to do Fan Favorites Friday with me, then make sure you send us an email at songsoftoriamus at gmail.com and I'll just have a running list and we will figure it out and have you on. I can't wait to talk to the fans about their favorite songs. These are like my favorite conversations to have with people. This and what do you think she's going to play tonight before shows? And if you've ever hung out with me before a show, you've been asked that question because I love, I love to know what people really want to hear and why they want to hear it. It's just what I like to do. So anyway, question number one, Rose, what's your favorite Tory song? Well, thanks for asking, Rose. My favorite Tory song is Apollo's Rock. Oh, interesting. That's a good song. What album is that from? So, (laughs) Apollo's Frog. Is it weird to be interviewing myself? A little bit. Am I going to keep doing it? I think I'm going to turn into the skid. Uh, Apollo's Frog is a B-side that showed up on the Scarlet's Hidden Treasures uh, with the CD came with the DVD for Welcome to Sunny Florida. What's your favorite performance, Rose? Mm. This is a really hard question to answer, and I did go back and listen to several of them, and it's, there's two, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat and say two. <laughs> I'm cheating already. Uh, the first, really the one that I love listening to is uh, the one from Trinuder in 2008, just because she did this whole synth thing that was just, like, amazing. Um, when it was synth that had like orchestral stuff in it. So absolutely love, love, love that performance. And when I think about it live, that's the performance that I hear in my head. And I've only listened to that, not even that many times, but that's the performance that goes through my head. The second, the honorable mention, and this is like an emotional fulfillment kind of favorite performance and that's when she played it for me in 2011 in LA. I had requested it at the meet and greet and then she played it for me and so that's a really important song, a really important live version memory for me because I could tell with her performance that she was playing it and thinking about the story that I had told her. Really, Rose? How could you tell that? Well, I'll tell you the story a little bit later, but I could just tell that she was thinking about it. And also, I like to think that our conversation at the meet and greet, like she hadn't really played it many times 
And then in 2014, it got a lot of play in 2017. So its, it's live show plays doubled after our conversation in 2011. So I don't know, maybe that conversation had something to do with it showing up a little bit more, but I'm going to pretend it is. So Rose, what's your favorite lyric in Apollo's Frock? This is question number three. Favorite lyric. Ooh, that's a good question. I'm not really a lyric person. Um, my, I think my favorite lyric is, um, you could never see, never see Apollo's frock was always as beautiful, always as beautiful as the saddest rainstorm. There's something so touching about that. And that's the, um, the chorus really. I mean, there's a lot of lyric, lyrical moments that stand out in the song, but I think I like that one the most. What are some of the other lyrical moments that stand out, Rose? Uh, I like I have called the Shekinah in and the Ninefold and a few other friends. Like that lyrical moment is pretty, I mean, the Shekinah is the um, the tree of um, life kind of thing. from. It's a, a Judaism. And I, so I like that I'm not the one to turn into a laurel wreath. Again, she's like name checking um, Roman and Greek mythology. I mean, of course, Apollo's frock. And that relationship between one of the goddesses getting turned into a laurel tree, that reference of one of the goddesses getting turned into a laurel tree, almost that sense of being frozen. And then if the cubs were drawn in for the last time, you would officially cross my line. I've always believed that this song is, it just seems so much writing about her other songs and that some of the songs that were turned down by the record company that you know she's talking to them about how they were always as beautiful like that that's a theme that runs behind this song of lyrically why she's writing it this way and and that it shows up during for the first time in 96 from those sessions in Netherlands I can't remember if you've never watched that it's a beautiful version that I think it has to do with maybe some of the songs from Pele and them getting turned down but I don't know Oh, that's really interesting thought. So what's your favorite musical moment? This is question number four. What's your favorite musical moment? It could be a measure, a run, a note, a chord change. My favorite musical moment in the song is actually the whole intro. And we just got this this year, last year technically, because it's 2024 now. We just got this streaming on Spotify and that whole intro, every time I ask for her to play it, and believe me, I have passed every tour since uh, 2007 for her to play this song. And I ask for it with the introduction because that's the part that I just absolutely adore. And I think it's the the way she's playing it like that, and then the you've got these do 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 the bass moments, and then the repetition. That's just kind of a motif she likes playing, and it's a certainly a motif that I like. Just that kind of repetition, chord repetition. So that's my absolute favorite it's the favorite musical moment in this song. So question number five, what color is this song? Ooh, I think she's pink and yellow. I think this song is pink and yellow. It, and 
maybe the intro no the song the lyrics are pink but maybe the the lyrical portion of the song because it's really two pieces but the lyrical portion and also maybe the well yeah the lyrical portion is pink <laughs> deciding in this moment trying to listen to the song in my head and the chorus more moments are the yellow part of the song so rose question number six what is the story this song tells you well, I think I kind of mentioned that already, and just the sense that um, I think, I really think that she's sitting down at the piano, and this is like a warm-up, and we didn't really get a whole lot of those a train of thought songs or one-off moment songs, like Not the Red Baron and Marianne, and I think... I think that Yes Anastasia is also one of those moments where, you know, record was hit and like she started playing and record was hit. And I think the intro to this song is a moment. I saw somebody mention online once that the way the song is in the headphones, that it like switches from like mono to stereo from the intro to the actual song or the how the speakers were or whatever. I don't really understand that because it's not my thing. But there's an actual shift of the recording from the intro to the song itself and they were saying it's almost like she really wanted us to have that intro which makes me think like oh this intro is just oh she's playing let's hit record or she's getting ready let's hit record it's kind of like the intro jam and mary's of the sea that got released on the a piano box set that intro jam these kind of moments that we don't get to see on the album anymore where things are just kind of the track is just laid down and then she has to go back and learn the track because she's just noodling around or whatever and mark hits record I, I don't know why that doesn't happen that's a really good question so noah michelson if you're out there and you're listening to this which i hope you are next time you interview her ask her about that i'm really curious to know does she not do that anymore are the conditions different that there's some sort of agreement happening because I love those moments and I think that's what that intro is and that may be why this is my favorite song because it's really an intro that's my favorite 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 part and then it leads into this lyrical favorite part but I think that and I, what is she telling with that I don't know I have no idea what she's telling with that the story that she's telling us with that introduction I mean maybe it's setting setting the stage uh, but then there's this protective aspect. I think, I really do believe that 2005, The Beekeeper, there was a lot, like Ireland is about going up with the music executives. So this song is a nice lead-in to 2005. I think this song is actually the bridge between Scarlet and, to the, and The Beekeeper, and that there's that relationship between standing up for things and standing up for songs so that this is a story she's really starting to tell a story about going into the mu music executives and being like uh-uh I'm putting my foot down and you know you've officially crossed my line how can you think you've won when there can be no winners there's that as I mean definitely there's she's protecting things and talking about protecting things and standing up and I can see how this could be an anthem for folks as well too i mean you can never see apollo's frock was always as beautiful as the saddest rainstorm always as beautiful as your sisters that your light shined on so apollo the god of the sun is light shining on his sister but that the dress that he's wearing the frock that he's wearing 
it's always been as beautiful as sisters. Like just because he's shining the light on somebody doesn't mean that he's not as beautiful as his sister, which I think is funny that she would put that in the song because Apollo, like as an archetype, is like, you know, young man, Harry Styles, like beautiful. Not that Harry Styles is that young anymore. He's younger than me, but that, you know, that really beautiful, 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 like young man, teenage boy, young man kind of archetype. So I don't know. Harry Styles, his dress, right? I like that he does that. He can definitely pull that off. So Rose, question number seven, how does this song fit into the greater story of your life? Well, this brings me to the conversation that I had with Tori in 2011. So 2001 was my first show and I got to do, oh, I got to go to a meet and greet but we were there nice and early and there weren't a lot of people there. And then right before she came out, like there was just this massive amount of people and there was just a swarm and kind of swarmed her and we got pushed back and like didn't even get close and it totally sucked. And then 2002 and 2003, the Scarlet and a lot of pianos, we couldn't do the meet and greet in 2002 because of school like it was the last day of finals and I was in college and then 2003 uh, it was like summertime and we also couldn't make it to that 2005 we like got to meet her but it was so stupid I mean it wasn't stupid <laughs> like it, we got one of those private performance things and then you got to have your picture taken with her and something signed by her by her so I brought my little earthquakes booklet and uh, my friend won this contest and so we got to meet her and I just was like so nervous and anxious and when we did finally get to meet her I like all I could think to ask her I mean I had practiced it but all I can really think to ask her is why there are no b-sides for the beekeeper and she just was like well honey they're all b-sides and I really should have asked her to play something but I just didn't think of it it was kind of cute moment and then 2007, we waited. She didn't come out. 2009, we waited. She didn't come out. So 2011 was like really the first time that I could put things together prior to a meet and greet. So we were in LA for the two shows and, you know, outside, <laughs> outside in the cold, put me back in the cold. <laughs> it was really kind of chilly that day and you're on concrete and we were in the shade downtown LA. And so when I went in there, I had like practiced over and over and over again what I was going to say. And what it amounts to is I went in there and I think I told her my name. I can't remember. And I just started telling her the story about how there's been a lot of times in my life where I felt really alone and that there was no one to kind of stand up and defend me, no one to step forward. And that in those moments... It was her music because it's really been there for me since 92, 91. I mean, it was like 13, 14 when Tori came on the scene. So, well, not why can't, but Little Earthquake showed up. I mean, girl, like if I had, I mean, girl's my, sig girl's my signature song. That's my story. I would want to tell everybody Precious Things is, but really girl, right? How many times have I been everybody else's girl, but when am I going to be my own? Still working on that. Anyway. So I just kind of said that in those moments of my life, when I felt so alone and nobody was there for me, that her music, the songs, stepped forward. And they were that defensive mechanism for me, really. And by this point, I'm like crying and she's really listening and, I, and I'm crying and she's tearing up. And then she gives me this 
like I start getting into the repetitiveness of the story because I'm like, well, I've got the words out that I want to say, but I don't know where to go from here. And she can definitely tell that. And so she pulls me in for a hug. And, and then I was able to tell her like that no song had really done that for me more than Apollo's Rock. And she was like, oh, and she's like, went and like, the eyes she made and she went and wrote it down and did she circle it I don't even remember if she circled it but anyway it was a really sweet moment and but I think the most important thing about that moment was the presence and how she really like I don't think I'd ever felt prior to that I don't think I'd ever felt so heard and seen before in my life and this is a one minute conversation you don't have that much time. And I was towards the beginning because I had gotten there early and sat there all day with my friend Joel. Shout out to Joel. But yeah, it was a pretty spectacular moment. The way I was seen, the way I was heard, which as a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, yoga trainer, like all the stuff I do in the yoga world, I really strive to create that space for other people to really hear and see them when they're telling me things. Anyway, then, and then she played this and she really like she put so much if you go back and listen to it you can hear her say like the emphasis she puts on that lyrical moment of and I have called the Shekinah in and the ninefold and a few other friends you and your predators were warned if the cubs were drawn in for the last time you would officially cross my line that section there like she really kind of goes at it and I'm like oh my god she's thinking about the story that I told her when she's doing that because she doesn't put that emphasis in the performance when she does it everywhere else so that's how this song really fits into the greater story of my life that you know there's a lot of aloneness and that's okay it's not like a sad thing that there's aloneness and it's kind of my work in life is aloneness and moving through things alone because there's a lot of times in my life when I ask for help and help is not present and there's very much this message of this is the work that you have to do and you need to work through this on yourself and then of course when I don't need help or when I share things people are like all over the place trying to help me and I'm like no no no, I'm not asking for help this is resolved I'm just sharing something Um, and I always find that really interesting Oh, that's fascinating, Rose. Thank you for sharing that. And then question number eight, how does your past experience influence your relationship with this song? Mm. I think the other reason I absolutely adore this song is because of the intro, the musical intro. But I love the musical intro, not because it's a one-off. I mean, I I think it's a one-off. I don't know. It's just a one-take kind of thing. I love it because I'm classically trained as a musician and that's really one of the things that drew me in with Tori was like when Crucify came out the piano I was like what oh my god what is this because most of the time in most music that I had been introduced to at that point the piano is in the background like it might be a part of the song but it's in the background I mean there's a lot of I'd heard tons of classical music so that's how I was hearing that's what my parents listened to and then you then my dad liked Motown so you have some it's more like a keyboard in there but it's not at the forefront of the song and my older brother was really into 
you know, rock. And again, the piano is not at the forefront. I mean, unless you count things like Kansas, Wayward Son, but it's not really, you know, you're not listening to Van Halen or Iron Maiden, bands like that, or Ozzy Osbourne. You're not listening to that for the piano because it kind of most of the time isn't even in there. So, you know, MTV and there's this song Crucify on MTV and it's like, wait a second, what? And the piano and it's like, oh my God, listen to what she's doing with it. And it was a new way of hearing an instrument that I'd spent so much time on. And it wasn't until years later that I discovered that, you know, she was classically trained and all of that. So I think there's probably maybe the way she plays as well. I can hear that classical training in it and it speaks to me and so the beginning of the song reminds me there's a Russian composer turn of the century last century Russian composer um, Kachaturian and I love his music and and love playing it not so much listening to it I think you know one of his songs which is the the clown one I can't remember the name of it, but that song is one of his, I'm pretty sure. But then the staccato and the hands playing on top of each other and the chords, I love that kind of, love playing that, like really fast staccato movements and repetition in a song. But I also really like chords and the chords spanning the piano and the bass. So all of that put together, Tori does that a lot. And it shows up quite a bit in the intro. So that's the influence. That's actually what my experience of my life that actually leads into it. And I think what's funny is that how the song fits into the story of my life is far more personal like I think a lot of people, I'm just, I'm an open person, right? I'm going to tell you stuff. I'm not holding back. So I think that's far more personal than maybe how my past experience influences my relationship with this song, which seems, I mean, that's also personal for sure, the details of my life. But I think what that past experience is missing is the kind of emotional relationship. It's just really that kind of remembered hand movements and sound movements and repetition. I love playing that on the piano. And I do like hearing it. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be like really frank and honest here. One of the reasons I love some of the Cacheturian pieces and the pieces that I played is that they were loud and they were really repetitive. And I'm like, this is totally going to annoy my parents (laughs) because I like, I felt I mean, I didn't want to do piano lessons. There was a certain point where things shifted and I felt like I was really had the the skill level to enjoy what I was playing and to enjoy discovering new songs. So once that happened, it really became more about what I wanted to play and what I really enjoyed and, and that kind of experience. But if I could like annoy my parents with something that was loud and discordant and kind of irritating, I was, I was all for it. Anyway, that's just funny. So there you have it. That's the questions. And that's the order the questions will remain in. I hope. I'm lying. I'm totally going to change that. I'm not going to change that. I'm really not. But that's Fan Favorite Fridays. 
Although when I interview you, I'm sure there'll be more follow-up because I just, I'm here I am just talking to myself and sharing things about Apollo's Frock. So go listen to the song, go listen to the variations. There's the 96, as it shows up as an intro, putting the damage on, there's the 2000, there, well, there's the album version, the recorded version that's really lovely. That's the only place you're going to get that intro unless I can finally convince her to do it in concert. And then there's the 2008 version at Renuder, and then there's the 2011 version where she's playing for me and full disclosure, that's me screaming at the beginning. That's one of two bootlegs I've ruined. Sorry. I was totally overcome with emotion and like, oh my God, she's actually playing a song for me. So sorry for that one. Maybe there'll be a moment where I disclose the other one that I ruined, but I'm not going to tell you. And I don't regret either of them. I'm rowdy. I like making noise. And so yeah, I'll apologize, but I'm totally owning it. And would I do it again in those moments? Yeah, you bet I would. Anyway, so if you want to be on fan favorites, you can send us an email, songsoftoriamus.com. You can also find us on Instagram, songsoftoriamus. I'm on Instagram as Yogini Rose, Y-O-G-I-N-I Rose. And if I were going to give you a practice that goes with this and goes with what the energy I've talked about a little bit. It would be a practice called Svasti Mudra. So Mudra is a hand gesture and Svasti is the mudra of protection. And to do this, you would simply take your right arm and bring your right arm across your chest with the palm facing out and then bring your left arm to cross over it. So you've got an X with your wrist, but your wrists are flexed and the palms are flat and arms are up. And this is it's really the mudra of healthy boundaries, but it creates those boundaries. So there'll be a picture with this. And I have a whole, I have a whole video sequence of that done with sound and posture. So you're kind of really embodying healthy boundaries. So we'll throw up a link to that. I recorded that a number of years ago, but I love that practice and people really love that practice. But anyway, Yogini Rose on Instagram. You can also follow me on um, Rosecrest on Facebook. And then for those of you that don't know, I'm one of the moderators for the Yes Said Facebook group on, well, the Yes Said Facebook group. So you can join us in there. We're little, you know, people sort of posting. This is the non-drama group. So if you want to bring the drama, don't. <laughs> don't bring the drama. So I will see you guys on next week on Tuesday. Make sure you tune in for new music Mondays with Ephraim. I'm excited for it. I don't like Mondays. I mean, I do like Mondays, but I really like that I'm going to get to hear Ephraim because I want to, what's up with Ephraim? I want to hear where he's at, what's going on, and he's got great taste in music. Well, my taste in music, I think. So looking forward to that. All right. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful weekend. Make sure you go out and have some cake for me for my birthday and I will see you on Tuesday.
Never Shut Up is a production of the Sideways Society. For more information and links to things mentioned on the show, please visit us online at songsoftoriamus.com. Yes, I know what you think of me. You never shut up.